the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, February 12, 2024. I am Seth Liebson. Good to see you, Mr. Bill. Nodding as if you agree with me on the date. And uh, it's good to see you, young David. David Dahl, my producer. 602-508-0960 is the number. And uh, yes, of course, Miss Terry as well. I often think about whether we are a serious country anymore and Attendant to that, whether we need to be. I mean, maybe we were meant to live in some sort of end of history moment where we could luxuriate and busy ourselves over small things as if they were meaningful. And then every time I think that, I recall a moment of history where such temptations proved themselves fatal. The widespread universal notion of Nero fiddling as Rome was burning has tended to bear out more accurately than the moral instruction of a vanity fair even where vanity fairs continue to allure. Thinking about this again is, over the latter part of last week, we all learned, courtesy of the United States Attorney General, that our president, the president of the United States, is a man of, quote-unquote, diminished faculties and a faulty memory. I say this was courtesy of the U.S. Attorney General because he did not have to release the special counsel's report to the public, nor did he have to release it unexpurgated, as he did. And as we all learned that we just kind of did what with it? We accepted it as we accepted the president's defense of himself as he confused the presidents of Mexico and Egypt in a discussion about a war involving neither of those two countries. My point is we actually do live in serious times with wars kinetic and potential all over the place. In fact, there is more international pandemonium right now than any other time I can think of since about 1989. And so our president, on the heels of all this, not only declines a typical and typically annual softball interview after the Super Bowl, he sends out a recorded message on something we are to focus on and take seriously. I say that because any time a president records and sends out a video and social media message, especially on a weekend, it is intended to convey focus and seriousness. Tying it all to the biggest media and social event of the year, like the Super Bowl, makes it a fortiori important. And what was that message? What was it about? Potato chips. Here's what he said in the video. Quote, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and if you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging as much. While you were Super Bowl shopping, did you notice smaller-than-usual products where the price stays the same? Folks are calling it shrinkflation, and it means companies are giving you less for every dollar you spend. I'm calling on the big consumer brands to put a stop to it. Close quote. I don't know about you, but I know three things. One, nobody is surrounded by a snack or two while watching the Super Bowl. Two... The president certainly isn't surrounded by a snack or two. 
And three, I may never want to use the word snack again after hearing this. Now, we live in serious times because to the untrained eye, we know there is a war in the Middle East, just as we know there is a war between an ally of ours and Russia, something the president dedicated a third of his State of the Union to, at least the opening part two years ago, calling it the challenge of our lifetimes. Just as we know other allies are being threatened by other powers, just as we know we are being threatened by everyone, internally and externally, if you add our border crisis to it all. So the quote-unquote sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man, close quote, as the special counsel described him, amidst everything going on in an election year, decided to attack Big Potato Chip. I suppose Mr. Peanut can take a sigh of relief, but seriously, two other issues present. One, did anyone besides me find it something below the presidency or perhaps beyond his constitutional authority to call on the big consumer brands to put a stop to it as he did? Was there something not both diminishing and overly big about that or small and yet ultra-virus? Two, do you think there's a food company in the world— See, we're not using the S-N-A-C-K word anymore. Do you think there's a food company in the world that cares about his calling on them to retool their packaging? Did some find this all cute and sympathetic? No doubt. But didn't more find it pathetic or unseriousness dressed up and made to look serious? Or was it just to be folksy? Can't sit for an interview with CBS, but can go after Big Potato Chip and think it's his business. Now, if the president wants to highlight the problem of inflation, I'm guessing his political shop may want to have a word with him. Does he really want to talk about costs of food items when his administration kept assuring inflation would remain in the low single digits as it went up to 9% and beyond? Today's date... February 12th, reminds us of what serious presidents used to represent. Today's being Abraham Lincoln's birthday, just on the heels of our commemoration last week of Ronald Reagan's birthday and what I hope will be our commemoration next week of George Washington's birthday. I don't expect those great standards to be met, not much in our lifetimes or in the near future. They were indispensable and great men who set the standard just as Roger Bannister's accomplishments in the 1950s still witness more runners than not completing their mile-long runs in over six minutes. But the birth of Lincoln should remind us of the expectation and need for both seriousness and excellence, especially in crucibles of crises. The historian Will Durant, he tells us in the opening of his 11-volume series on the history of civilization— that there is an outline of elements that constitute or create civilizations. Those elements are labor and industry, government, by which he tells us means, quote, the organization and protection of life and society through the clan and the family, law and state, close quote. Morality is the third element, followed by religion, science, and philosophy. And finally, the seventh element of civilization is letters, by which he means or tells us education and the use of language. I was taken by Will Durant's definition of philosophy, the sixth element of his, of civilization. 
He wrote that it was, quote, the brave and hopeless inquiry into the first causes of things and their final significance, the consideration of truth and beauty, of virtue and justice, of ideal men and states, close quote. I thought of all that as I thought of our president remind of us, reminding us of how many potato chips are provided in each bag compared to how many potato chips were in each bag last year and urging, calling upon the companies responsible for this plague to cut it out. And it brought me back to my opening about how we really were warned to take no moral instruction from the concerns of the Vanity Fair. Remember the Vanity Fair? Most of us today hear that and think of the glossy Manhattan magazine. The phrase actually does come from somewhere, and that somewhere is a piece of old classic literature, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. The Vanity Fair is the celebratory festival in a city built by and designed for the worship of Satan. And the Vanity Fair, everything at the Vanity Fair, everything is sold so long as it encourages vice, like those sisters of that nunnery in Los Angeles. So long as it encourages vice. And the festival, as it turns out, is year-round. Remember, too, what vanity is, especially as we learn of it from Ecclesiastes. It means emptiness, emptiness. So at the Vanity Fair, as John Bunyan writes, what is sold is, quote, delights of all sorts. Moreover, at this fair, there is at all times to be seen juggling cheats, games, plays, fools, apes, knaves, and rogues, and that of every kind, close quote. That is what the Vanity Fair was. And remember, in a city built for and by Satan. There's something special, awful, meaningful about the Vanity Fair we seem incapable of escaping today, especially with that definitional word about vanity being the word for empty. As in what the kind of calories we used to be told we got from potato chips, empty calories. As in what I fear defines too much of the functional space in our president's head, empty. And as in the craving now for something much more like he whose birth we celebrate today 250, 215 years later. Wondering what we will be saying 215 years from today about today, or even 15 years from today. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. You into this now? Did I encourage this? Only because I heard you singing it through the halls. I was singing it through the halls. You were halls. singing it through the halls and skipping. Well, yeah, why was I doing that? I, I don't know. It's not Easter. Do you, it's not, what does that have to do with Easter? The fact that you were singing and, you know, it's like an American musical. You're just uh, singing little on the spring sidewalk. in my step. Yeah, exactly. Six zero two five zero. You want to know something funny? What? When I was younger, I didn't realize what America was like to other people in other countries. And... There was, honest to goodness, I met these French missionaries who visited our church once when I was growing up. And we asked them, how is, you know, how is America to you? What do you think? And they're like, well, we think it's a little different than we expected it because there aren't a lot of people singing on the street corners. Hmm. I guess, I don't know if there's a certain age level where you outgrow it. But in uh, many foreign countries, I think uh, the great American musicals of the past really influenced their view of American culture. <laughs> And nope. they just think we get up and start singing and dancing and uh, talking about... Busking. You know, and what? Busking. And busking. That's the word for it. What is busking? A singing busker is someone who sings on a street corner. 
They're a busker. That's how Toby Keith made it in Nashville. He was a busker. So did Jimmy Cagney. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people did. They're probably just visiting the wrong places. You still see it in certain places, don't you? Probably. I don't know. They haven't visited my house, so yeah, they might find the... Singing I used to ask that question all the time of people from other countries. What's the view of America? That was the question I always asked them. I don't know why. Maybe I had nothing else to ask them. That was uh, when I was younger, and the people I was talking to were also younger. Yeah. Nowadays, the view of America would probably be, yeah, I don't want well, the you answer. have a geriatric I president. I don't yes. want the answer now. All right, 602-508-0960. Um, oh, uh, Fighting for Freedom, our event, March 26th mm-hmm. at Arizona Christian University, getting a great response. We're keeping it relatively small to maximize the interaction with our with our folks on stage, who will be Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, and myself, talking about the issues in the election, talking with you about them. So you can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com. And you can also enter to win a pair of free tickets. So we're doing a giveaway a week. Do we need to rename or we took care of the winner for last week? Our, our winner last week has I, – I, I, all's, I, all's well? Good. I assume so. All right. If you yes. want to be a potential winner for this week, we do the drawings on Friday. It restarts every week, ladies restarts and Restarts every week. Uh, email my producer, David Dahl, ddahl at SalemPHX.com. Mm-hmm. Uh Put in FFF or Fighting for Freedom or whatever. We just need a name and we'll put you uh, down for and it. We'll get you down for it. Exactly. Friday afternoon. That's right. No cost to enter. Every Friday afternoon. Well, <clears throat> one of the costs of a diminished president is something I watched happen earlier today. He um, he welcomed the King and Queen of Jordan, the country of Jordan, to the White House. And he held a press conference. No, that's wrong. He went to the press and spoke from the podium to the press and then introduced the King of Jordan to speak from the podium to the press. They took no questions. But what the King of Jordan did was thoroughly embarrass the president. Thoroughly embarrassed the president. Did you see it? All it was was a blast of Israel, with the president standing right next to him. He took the opportunity to blast away at Israel and any policy that allows Israel to continue its war in Gaza, a war that by any account is going pretty well. And I sat there thinking, when is the last time a foreign visitor came to the United States and literally went off on American foreign policy and criticized the president. Now, the president, I don't know if he knew what was being said. I mean, I I don't mean to be uncharitable, but at this point, I think we all have to ask that question, especially given the shenanigans of last week. They weren't really shenanigans, given the revelations of last week. But the president was, of course, unable to say anything about it. In other words, correct him or have the last word. These are all problems. But not so much so that the king of Jordan didn't know he could get away with it. That's the problem. This is it's a little bit like when Barack President Barack Obama threatened Syria with not crossing a red line that they would be crossing a red line if they used chemical weapons. And then, of course, Syria did use those chemical weapons. They crossed that line. And Barack Obama did what? What did Barack Obama do? He did absolutely nothing except farm the problem out to Russia and empowered Russia with the 
mismanagement of Syria. Of course, Donald Trump's the one who gives Russia all the power, not not Democrats, because, you know, lie. But it reminded me of that. And the great crime is not that Barack Obama did nothing. I mean, that is its own crime. Of course it is, because it allowed chemical gas to be used with impunity. Of course it's a crime. I, I, I take back that that wasn't the great crime. But it wasn't the greatest instruction. The greatest instruction from that moment was that Syria knew he would do nothing, that he had projected by that point so much weakness or unseriousness that they knew they could get away with unleashing chemical attacks with impunity, without consequence from Barack Obama. They knew that. Just as I presume the King of Jordan today knew he could get away with saying what he wanted, because who's going to get in the way? Who's going to get in the way? Empty Joe Biden is not going to get in his way, is not going to correct him, is not going to contradict him, is not going to give himself the last word. That's part of the ongoing or what I should call the continuing crisis here as well. You think a foreign leader would come here and do that to another president you can think of in our lifetime? You think a foreign leader would stand up in front of Donald Trump and actively contradict him on U.S. ground and his policy? You think that could be done to anyone else? You have to think pretty far and wide to consider how the worst example I can think of. David, you may remember a different example or this one. The worst I can think of was when Tony Blair came here under President Clinton and said a little bit more about Kosovo than Bill Clinton wanted. Just a little bit more than what Bill Clinton wanted. That's the worst case scenario I can think of. Am I, am I missing one, David? You have another one of a foreign leader coming here and blasting away? I mean, yeah, you can think of uh, <laughs> who, were the, who were the singers who <laughs> came to the Nixon White House, the card of singers, or who was it? <laughs> oh, the ones <laughs> yeah, that I mean, uh, protested. Yeah, but these aren't foreign leaders. These are song. I yeah, these are entertainers. Who, who the was gold that? diggers. That the, was the, the gold diggers. No, no, it was the... It was the Henry Conniff, something Conniff singers. Ray Conniff. Yes, thank you. And this his is why I keep you around. Or something. I think it was. I don't know what his band is called. Well, yeah. I, I just think it was the Ray Conniff singers. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll certainly know within the next five minutes. We'll right? find out. We'll find out. But I think that's it. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delight to bring back our dear friend John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. He brings us our culture and economy update. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. How are you, John? Happy Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Well, happy, yeah. Happy, happy birthday, yes. Abraham. <laughs> and, in, and in celebration, Hey, what about going, that game? What do you think last yeah, night? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, the golf, final death. I mean, sudden death and golf, oh, well, that, that game? That, too. I mean, both of them went into overtime. Oh, there was they? another? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, Crazy you, day. You, no, no. You want to laugh at me? You can laugh at me. I no, watched, I'm not laughing uh, at you. I'm laughing with you. Okay, okay. But you'll now laugh at me, I bet. But you would expect nothing less of me. I watched the entire game up until the last, like, five minutes. You know why? I realized two things. One, all the good commercials would have been well earlier because no one would have wanted to field their expensive commercials in a prospective, you know, overtime. A. Right. B, it dawned on me I cared not a whit about either team. Right. 
<laughs> and that's okay. So yeah. the wonder I mean, dog I'm, and I just called it a night. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. I'm with you. <laughs> this is kind of interesting, this story you flagged. The average tax refund is going to be about 30% lower this tax season, huh? Uh, yes, uh, that's at least what the, uh, I guess, the first statistics show. This yeah. is uh, really early in filing, right? I, I think this report says based on the first five days of filing. Okay. Um, and last year they took, uh, I think, the first 12 days. So they're thinking it may change a little bit. They're not sure, of course. We'll find out. Comparative, um, though, to this time last year, right? Yes. Right, right, yes. right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there could be a number of reasons why. Uh, there could be some reasons people maybe would have taken, uh, you know, some losses maybe in mm-hmm. some of the investments that they might have had. That mm-hmm. could be one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be some other tax planning strategies that took, you know, took effect uh, this, this year for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a number of reasons. But it is – I just thought it was interesting to see uh, that, you know, with all of the national debt that we have uh, and really the only way for this country to – be able to pay that national debt is the revenue from taxes, uh, that uh, taxes, their income is going to be down this year. And if, you know, uh, corporations ran their business like the government does, they probably wouldn't be in business that long. No, you can't do that, which raises the question <laughs> of how much naturally someone might ask, does the federal government take in in federal taxes every year? I, 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 the number is kind of an interesting one. It's between four and five trillion dollars. It's about four right. and a half trillion dollars every year. And yet we still run these huge deficits. And this is the head scratcher. The idea that we can't run this country on federal tax receipts that constitute the entirety of a 2016 or 2017 budget request Mm -hmm. from the White House is incredible to me. It's just incredible that we still have to run trillion-dollar deficits. I, I don't know exactly when the last actual budget was balanced. Did we? Do you know offhand when the last balanced budget occurred? Uh, oh, it might have been Bill Clinton. Yeah, but that is, would have only been about amazing? a year. Yeah, I, and before that, you, that, can, go, you mm, can go decades yeah, without yeah, a balanced yeah, budget, yeah. and we still keep going. Yeah, yeah. Again, I always say, you know, we we as individuals could never run our lives that way and our our household budgets that way. Um, and I just think it's shocking that uh, these are the people that we've elected that are supposed to be working for us that are doing this to us. Uh, so, again, as always, it's very important that you do get out and vote. Yeah, you know? right. I mean, that, 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 is where, that is where the economy needs to be cast, pitched as having a political solution, as does so yeah. much of, our, of the issues that ail us. But, yeah, no, I, I, the other interesting story to me, John, I don't know if you caught this. Um, you will f- by tomorrow if you haven't already. <clears throat> In the Wall Street Journal, new government data from the Census Bureau just showing – who has what job? It's kind of interesting, you know the the, the makeup of America's workforce. Almost a hundred percent, almost a hundred percent of all dental hygienists are female. Wow! Some professions, you know, and then it does a breakdown yeah. of race and stuff like that, flight attendants and other things. Just kind of interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, Women yeah, we'll make up almost fifty percent of the workforce now. Almost fifty hmm. percent of the workforce. Kind of interesting. Well, that is interesting, and, you know, that's great. They're not Good. teachers, though. Excuse me, men are not teachers. That's, that's, there's a deficit there. No men teach. I think that's a problem. We should come um, back and think about that. Uh, you know, I haven't had any, It's true, though. I haven't had any hygienist, dental hygienist that was a male. Right. Ever. Right. You know I, what I else recall. is? Vet, veterinarians. That's an increasingly female industry. 
So all yeah, issues. but our vet is our vet is a male. So I, well, I wonder if, if we have the same vet. vet. Could be. Could be. Mine's yeah. on Thomas. All right, Mine's John, on uh, Bell. So Yours is no on Bell. Ones. All right, yeah. you take the. I'll take the low road. You take the high. I got the north. I got the north route. <laughs> you got the north. God bless you, John. All right. Yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Securities that- and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Enron Sipkin, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Go to GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Thanks. Love you, man. Bye. Friends, the folks at Midas Gold Group have told me the U.S. government and the Fed will have no choice but to eventually steer interest rates lower because if they don't, the current level of interest rates will bankrupt the nation. There's no telling when the dam will break, but when it does, Midas wants to make sure you have flood insurance. In this case, gold. Call Midas Gold Group now. Look into the opportunities gold can provide you as a way to diversify your investments. Call 480-360-3000 or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. Midas Gold Group is the nation's number one veteran-owned gold IRA firm. Protect your assets. Call 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Midas Gold Group, always faithful. MidasGoldGroup.com. Did you see, young David, that... um, Tragic shooting. Could have been so much worse. Oh, my gosh. At uh, Joel Osteen's church. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Did you see it? So um, this woman shooter goes in, and um, thank God good guys with guns took her down. But not before a bullet went through what looks like her child, her seven-year-old child, uh, that she brought. Well, here's the irony of ironies. Um, she has "Free Palestine" written on her on her gun on her on her on her uh, on her rifle. She has "Free Palestine" written on the gun. Here's an ABC News headline for you. You'll appreciate "Free Al- Free Palestine" written on gun and shooting at Lakewood Church, but motive of mystery. Hmm. Motive of mystery. So if it had it was a gun that said um, I don't know uh, KKK or something like that, you think they'd have motive of mystery on there? I wonder. Yeah. yeah right yeah. now, um, we're not nearly towards the nub of this story quite yet. So she brings in what looks like her seven-year-old child as a shield. You know, less likely to be shot if there's a seven-year-old with her, her seven-year-old, it looks like. Um, How very Hamas of her. Yeah. No wonder she's for freeing Palestine. That's the coin of the realm over there. How very Hamas. That's also not quite yet the end of the story. Um, Michael Barone, do you know the political scientist Michael Barone used to edit the uh, Almanac of American Politics, traveled to every single political uh, district in the country. And um, any, in any event, um, he wrote a book, a really important book, circa 20 years ago or so, called Hard America versus Soft America. And uh, Hard America, he said, was, you know, the part of America that plays uh, by rules, plays for keeps, trains hard, trains under live fire. You think you're military? It's classic hard America, construction work, perhaps, hard America. It's in soft America. You know what soft America is. It's, you know, it's your education system. It's, it's, it's uh, awards for showing up. It's that sort of thing. And, uh, what never dawned on any of us at the time was that soft America would invade hard America. You would think one direction that dichotomy would go would be hard America invading soft America. It didn't happen that way. 
You think about all the wokeness at the Pentagon, for example, as an, as an, as an example. Well, how about the spokesman at um, the Houston Police Department talking about the Lakewood shooting? Here's the spokesman today, press conference today, on the Lakewood shooting, okay? Just get a load of this. So she's utilized both male and female names, but through all of our investigation to this point, talking with individuals, interviews, documents, Houston Police Department reports, she has been identified this entire time as female, she, her, and so uh, we are identifying her as Genesee Moreno, Hispanic female. Well, I'm glad we straightened that out and spent so much time going through her appropriate, this shooter's, this incredibly disturbed, long rap sheet criminal's pronouns. I'm glad that the Houston Police Department, you know, police departments, hard America, most of them still are. God knows I know a lot of them in this this area. I love them so much. But this is what we're doing to ourselves, folks. This is what we're doing to ourselves. This needs to be the issue, what were and are and should be the pronouns of this person, whose name we should blot out, by the way. We shouldn't, I, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't even be focusing on what respect this deceased is entitled to, quite honestly. Who cares at this point what respect she or he or it or they or whatever would have wanted? This is a monster. This is a menace to society. It's a criminal with a long rap sheet. Add it to the list of, well, you wouldn't call it a mass shooting because of the, thank God, low casualties here. But it could have been. Lakewood Church, you kidding me? Could there be a bigger mass for a shooting opportunity? But chalk it up to yet one more where you have, you know, deranged individual with well-known marijuana habit, one more yet again. You see Oregon is now rethinking its decriminalization of drugs because they have ruined their state. Ruined their state with this nonsense. What was the Adam Carolla line when he asked his friend about this when he was kind of a libertarian and his friend said, well, you just got to ask yourself, Okay, I get your position on prostitution. I get your position on drugs. But do you want to live in an environment where that stuff is so widespread? What will it say about your community? And Adam said that got him starting to thinking to change his mind. Well, we have actually the theoretical being proven by the actual. You want to know what it looks like? looks like Portland right now. looks like Oregon. looks like San Francisco. Not exactly... Not exactly what you remember from the streets of San Francisco or the San Ricerone commercials or anything from your youth if you went there. Or L.A. I, I, maybe I'm too caught up on language. Maybe I am. I was telling the story last week on air about someone I ran to at a party who said they grew up in L.A. And I asked what part and she described it and said, nowhere you'd go anymore. Nowhere you'd go anymore. We can just write off swaths of great cities or America as if it's not an issue? It's not a concern? How many do we do, by the way? At what point do we stop writing off neighborhoods or communities or, or cities? At what point is the tipping point where we say about that place, not anywhere you want to go anymore? This is an advancement? 
This is enlightened thinking. This is progressivism. Yes, it is, is the answer. This is what progressivism has done. You bet. You get rid of the navigational beacons. You get rid of those elements of civilization, those seven elements of civilization I spoke about from Will Durant in my earlier, in my monologue. You get rid of those elements and you have de-civilization. You can de-civilize a place. That is the point of his 11, 11 volume series on civilization. They don't last forever. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show portions brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a great investment opportunity in a secure and collateralized portfolio where you get a monthly statement with no surprises, where there is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back, where there are absolutely zero fees, no fees, and you're in control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. But best of all, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. Check InvestYRefi out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI24. They're based here locally. They're on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You can visit with them. I've been there a number of times. No sales pitch, and you won't be asked to sign a thing. If you don't go in person, check them out at investyrefi.com. By the way, back to the King of Jordan lecturing America and Israel on human rights is a joke, except it's worse than a joke. It's a danger. Go to Amnesty Internet. Can we agree Amnesty International is not some conservative right-wing blog or whatever, <laughs> organization, NGO? Can we, can, we, can we agree? Look at Jordan at Amnesty International, and you tell us what this king has to offer us by way, or Israel, by way of instruction. The authorities continue to restrict freedom of assembly, expression, and association for journalists, political activists, and workers through arbitrary detention and the use of repressive laws. Sounds like 1970 Soviet Union. They, work by, they, they govern by states of emergency. Arbitrary detention. Unbelievable. Women's rights. Honor killings. He's going to lecture us in Israel? Speaking of a colonial and imperialist state, Jordan. Jordan. Majority of Palestinians. 70% Palestinian at least, but not the king. Not the queen. No, no, no. They're colonialists, actually. (laughs) From Saudi Arabia, the Hashemites. I had this conversation once with somebody when I tried to explain to them that Jordan is the first Palestinian state. It is the first, and for all I care, let them have it. Give it to them and be good. It's a natural border. Fine. 70% of you are already Palestinian. Ah, but, you know, the king doesn't want that. So it's Israel's fault. The only non-colonialist, well, maybe Egypt, the two only non-colonialist places are half of them attacked as being colonialists. Why we get lectures from a king in front of a president who can't do a thing about it because he's feckless. We'll be right back. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.